there's there's not really a, a textbook out there. I mean, I went through what seven years of school. I have a master's in sports management from FAU, mm-hmm. and uh, there's not a textbook for how to work in stadium operations. No. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't exist. There's no podcasts on right. what is an operator and how do you, how do you be an operator. You know, there's, right. there's nothing out there. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends, subscribe, and drop a rating. Share it on social media as well. Give me a follow on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N to share all your thoughts and comments. That's where you can reach out to me to come on to the podcast as a guest as well. I'm really excited to interview Chris Kamins. Chris is the director of stadium operations for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, Class A advanced affiliate of the Houston Astros. We'll jump into this interview with Chris Kamins right after this break. What are you drinking there, bud? Uh, so every every good ops guy, and, and we can even talk about this uh, in the podcast as well. Um, got a little uh, new serum, Salisbury Brewing Company Yadkin River Lager. So every good ops guy behind every good ops guy is a uh, Pepsi fridge that they stole from concessions that's full of beer. So absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Chris, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. What is the state of the Woodpeckers front office right now? Yeah, so um, we we actually came off of our uh, opening year uh, in 2019, um, and and we were we were really soaring through that opening year. I mean, we set some records in, in retail and F and B, and and we were uh, up in the top of the. Carolina League when it came to revenues and attendances so we were um if there ever was a time to be prepared for uh you know a pandemic and everything that's gone on uh we were we were certainly in a good spot to do that um yeah congratulations on a successful uh first season there in Fayetteville yeah thanks I mean the the only thing that would have uh been better is if we won that game five was the uh that was the blue rocks where we went to uh we took game one and game two and we we beat their two best pitchers um that was kind of their strength as they had these lefty pitchers just it seems like every batter we had to face a lefty pitcher which was actually one of our weaknesses last year and uh so we beat their two best pitchers um uh, i can't even remember their names right now but if you look at the royals top 10 prospects they're both on there um we get to game three uh at home and no no team won a home game by the way so we get to game three at home and games three through five we just absolutely cannot hit the ball anymore i mean we we took game one by like five runs game two we're flying uh in in um in delaware and uh 
yeah, we we get home and you think, you know, we're, we're rolling. We just got to win one more. They've, we've already beat their two best pitchers. Right. And it just was just close games. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty interesting, actually. We... We set up the clubhouse, so we were going to allow each team to celebrate in the clubhouse yeah, yeah. Uh, w- once they won. And uh, we have this big tarp that we roll out. Uh, we plastic off the whole uh, ceiling because it's an open ceiling. So, you know, mm. obviously champagne is going to uh, just wreck that ceiling. Right, right. So we set up the home clubhouse, and uh, game three we drop. Game four we drop both uh, – they, I don't know if they were at home or on the road. It's crazy what you don't remember. Um, and we get to game five, and we're like, "Well, we had the home clubhouse set up for a for a victory, yeah. And uh, now we gotta we gotta plastic both sides. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we we plastic off everything in the home and visitors clubhouse. Uh, we have our tarp all rolled up, just ready to move into whichever side. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, game five is a two nothing game, and and we didn't really know it was going to be a loss until the eighth or ninth inning so we're scrambling there at the end just you know getting those clubhouses ready right um, so that, that was wild i mean we were sitting down there watching the in-game feed uh we're all on the radios just like you better be ready to run when this happens because we're not going to have much time and um man they sure uh, they sure did a number on the clubhouse right but wow. all in good fun oh yeah of course <laughs> Yeah, I certainly don't miss um, having to tarp the uh, the clubhouses. That's for sure. It's it's something that you're never going to experience in any other field except for sports, right? You know? Exactly. Just a beautiful indoor facility, and, and now you have to cover it from the inevitable, uh, you know, ten cases of beer, you know, five cases, ten cases of champagne, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just amazing the liquids that we have to extract out of that carpet the next day oh yeah for (laughs) sure so are you guys starting to work back at the stadium again clearly you are well you're doing this interview from the stadium yeah i'm here in uh in brutally hot fayetteville uh it's actually a pretty nice day outside um our ops team has been here uh basically from the beginning um and uh it's just us it's myself our facility manager our general manager is here um, and then our retail manager is here. Our okay. our uh, baseball operations manager was here for a while, but uh, he's now down in Miami, uh, hanging out in beautiful South Florida. Nice. So um, we have uh, our general contractor still around from construction. Um, we did finally get our certificate of occupancy about four months ago, but uh, you know we still have a punch list that's still 500 items long so okay they're here every day um in fact this week we had um we had some of our masonry contract uh, contractors here uh we had electrical here um we have the concrete guys sandblast and bricks left over from construction okay um it's just been you know we have three four contractors here every day right right yeah, I would imagine that would be the case with a new stadium. I've never, I've never worked in a new stadium before, but I would imagine that's it's, the case. It's got its challenges. I mean, we obviously don't have the painting and some of the level of cleaning that you have to do in these older stadiums, mm-hmm. and obviously we don't have any of the off-season renovation projects, or at least we're not supposed to. Right. Um, but with that comes more automated systems and. Um, you know, with more building automation comes more problems. So it's a lot more of we're still learning this facility even after a, a year and a half. Sure. sure. So, uh, so were you ever working from home during this? 
So I worked from home for one day. Uh, I'm being completely honest. I worked from home for one day. I got five calls from things I needed to do at the stadium. And I said, I, I'm not doing this. I'm going back in. Right. I don't know that I had permission to go back in, but nobody really questioned it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, one day off. That was pretty much the Monday after we had said that we're working from home. And that next Tuesday I was in, you know, eight, nine hours. And it's like I said, with myself and the ops team, we, we've been in here Monday through Friday, eight to five, six o'clock at night every day. So we, we're really in a unique situation because we really haven't seen this whole work from home, you know, all the, all the changes that, you know, the coronavirus has, has brought. We're, uh, we're still on a very normal work schedule, not Mm -hmm. for this time of year, but very normal for a, for an off season. Right. Okay. So what what's you you and I talked about this before we started recording a little bit, but what's the status of Fayetteville in general right now? Um, we we were talking about Jay Cole a little bit earlier, um, and he's he's from Fayetteville, and yeah. we've both met him oddly enough, which is yeah. which is crazy. I'm a big fan of hip hop music, so um, yeah. What's the status of Fayetteville right now? So North Carolina, I would say we're in phase two of uh, the governor's reopening plan. Um, I believe there are some states that are still in phase one. Mm-hmm. Um, our phase two is not very aggressive. So it's, um, you know, we bars still can't be open. Uh, entertainment venues still can't be open at all. Uh, restaurants can open at uh, a certain percentage. I believe now it's 50 oh, uh, wow. and retail can be open at 50%. Um, public school, uh, public pools can open surprisingly but uh parks can't open so <laughs> i don't know okay. yeah it, it, it's very weird um but we're like in a very uh, very conservative phase two right now um and we're about five or six weeks out from phase three but you'd never know looking at Fayetteville i mean this this community is a really outdoors community there's a lot of young military uh they love being outdoors they usually have you know two or three kids right um and and you know the weather's been pretty good up here so everybody's kind of getting out the stores are slammed uh yeah. any restaurant that's open is is as slammed as they possibly can be sure um it's just you know we haven't uh we haven't seen any action here at the ballpark unfortunately right. but we're we're working with local cdc uh, and we're working with our local government to try to figure out how we can open certain things like our right field bar yeah um we'd love to get healy's back open that's just a that's just a fun time uh we have we have 30 uh taps out there at the right field bar Uh, we have a portable grill over there we always get live music uh we have a we have a uh, 75 by 25 video board so probably one of the larger video boards you're going to see in minor league baseball um which which came with about a million dollar price tag right right Um, yeah, so we we always play some games up there. Um, obviously, there's not a lot going on right now, but you know maybe we could throw up some UFC or uh, we could watch some reruns of the 1988 World Series or something sure. like that. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, back to Jake Cole. Um, we uh, we always knew that we wanted to get Jake Cole out here in some kind of capacity. We yeah. we basically been trying that. Uh, from the inception of the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, maybe even when we were at Bowie's Creek, we were like, we were just getting so many requests. Like, you guys got to get Jay Cole out there. You got to get Jay Cole. Yeah. It was either it was either hey, what's Jay Cole doing, or hey, have you heard that Babe Ruth hit his first home run in, in Fayetteville? Those are the oh, those are the, okay. We we heard those a hundred times a day. Um, so we actually got him in here uh, through his agent. 
I would say it was about two months ago. Um, and our team president at the time, Mark Zarthur, um, who's now with the Philadelphia Flyers, he's their VP of marketing. Wow. Um, he, uh, he didn't realize that J. Cole was coming. He kind of just showed up. And we see these two, uh, there was a black Escalade and there was a black, uh, like a, like a Land Rover or a Range Rover. They pull up outside and we're like, man, who's that? That's gotta be somebody. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jay Cole gets out, comes into the stadium, just very nonchalant. Uh, our, our, uh, team presidents in workout clothes, you know, yeah. cause that's, that's, that was his off season thing. And, uh, our, our, uh, director of sales, uh, Chaz, he said, Hey, uh, Jay Cole's here. <laughs> nice. So you guys should do a bobblehead or something of him. We, I, we, we've got to. I think it's probably in the works. I mean, I don't know what those sales and marketing guys are up to, but they've always got some really cool ideas. So I'm looking at my camera, and uh, our team president's meeting with Jay Cole. And our team president, um, he's going to laugh at this if he hears it, but he's about he's about five five. He's going to tell you he's probably five seven, but he's he's about five <laughs> five. And Jay Cole is, I think he's got to be about six three, six four. Yeah. So. I took some really funny photos on our on our security cameras and sent them over to Mark. Just J. Cole towering over him. <laughs> nice. Yeah. J. Cole seems like a pretty low-key guy. I met him one time. He performed at my college, Slippery Rock University, mm-hmm. and um, I interviewed him backstage, actually. Um, so I think I'll have to post a picture on social media uh, previewing this episode with with J. Cole. Yeah, but, give J. Cole a little shout-out from the, from the episode. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, You would never know that J. Cole is a celebrity unless unless you knew that. You know, right. like If you saw him walking down the street, you would just say, you know, this is just this random guy. He's super laid back, super cool. Right. Never will really tell you he's a celebrity, you know, likes yeah. to just be very low-key. Okay, yeah. And so, like, so I follow him on social media, and I've seen pictures and videos of the protests in Fayetteville. Um, what's going on in regards to that? Um, and and we touched on it a little bit before we started recording, but you guys also, as far as minor league baseball goes, you guys have a very diverse front office, if you want to touch on that a little bit as well. For sure, yeah. So I, I would say the... Uh the peaceful protests started uh, popping up around, I believe it was last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually at one of these protests was Jay Cole and uh, Dennis Smith Jr., who's also yeah. from Fayetteville. Yeah, okay. Um, and and our mayor was there and our chief of police was there. Uh, so there was a lot of, like, you know, celebrity powers there. Um, and then uh, we, we really only had one where you know there was nature but other than that you know the the there's been a lot of peaceful together um there's a lot of been a lot of uh, cool like murals painted downtown and stuff okay um so it's 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 been pretty quiet here um uh peaceful and 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 you know they've, they've all been uh you know really really neat to see um but luckily, you know, any of the stuff that happened with the with the riots and the looting didn't make its way down to the stadium. Um, you know, people in Fayetteville really love the stadium, so I think they're Perfect. like, "Yeah, stadium's yeah. off limits. Don't go there. I want to I want to drink there when the season starts back up." Yes. So, um, right. but yeah, our front office. Um, I would say the oldest guy. I'm going to get Alpha's age wrong, and he's probably going to he's going to text me tomorrow if he listens to this. <laughs> he's probably forty. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say 45 just as a just as a middle ground somewhere. Okay. He may be he may be closer to 50. Um, so it's a very young staff. Um, our our team president when he started here um, was doing a lot of the hiring and and you know he did not come from a sports background. He was uh, he was a global director of sports marketing for Anheuser Busch. So oh, he had wow. a whole different opinion. He wasn't your typical baseball background guy. Sure. He said, you know. I want to hire a good mix of local talent, of diverse talent, uh, and then add in some of those baseball experience. Um, you know, I I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I I would have to guess where our front office is probably fifty percent female. Yeah. Um, and then you know our, our demographics are just all over the chart, and it, it, it's really a strength of this. You know. Yeah, sure. Uh, we're just getting all these different inputs from all these different sides, and it, it, it really. Uh, really makes a good front office everybody gets along i've i've worked at places before where it was very clicky and right you know everybody was kind of keeping to themselves but um everybody really gets along at this office and everybody's been able to bring their background and their knowledge of you know where they're from or local fayetteville and, and really kind of add into what we have here so they they did a really good job um when they when they did the hiring process here yeah i would say that that's probably a strength um as far as your team goes as well um working for a co- you know a couple different teams we never really had that local presence um in the front office um but and then and then also i feel like baseball as a whole suffers because of the lack of diversity um both on the field and in the front office so so kudos to you guys yeah. um for, for for sure when you when you yeah. have the you know typical baseball guys uh and and women coming through here uh every day you're going to get the typical baseball and that's just yeah. not what we do here with the woodpeckers we try to be as different as possible um and and it's it's showing you know through our ticket sales and and through our extremely diverse fan base perfect yeah i love it man and uh so what was it like working for a team that was only temporarily in Bowie's creek and then debuting a new team and brand in a new city with the fayetteville woodpeckers so when i got hired i actually got hired by mark our team president um there was uh, our team president our gm uh, our baseball operations manager, um, and then myself. So I was the fourth. I was the fourth hire here, mm-hmm. um, and I was hired on in 2018. I think it was 2018, early on, and uh, I maybe saw two games at Bowie's Creek okay. as the Bowie's Creek Astros. So yeah. we were um, we were pretty hands off from that experience. Uh, Campbell University was uh, just a great host to us. They have a beautiful field up there in. Um, oh, I'm going to mix it up where they're at. It's Bowie's Creek, but they're. I think they're Dunn or one of those other towns around there. Um, and uh, our, our baseball operations manager mostly handled that. Okay. He was, you know, at Campbell every day. Uh, he was really the the main team contact there. My, president in our gm we worked from a little um you know three-person office maybe <laughs> uh downtown and, and we had three desks and one restroom and the restroom was right in the middle of our three desks so uh every time somebody had to use the restroom it was it was you know a, a couple feet from where we were working wow so that was an interesting experience and and it, it was cool it was right on downtown um 
you know, right in the heart of downtown, you look outside, you see the cobblestone streets and the, you know, the trees lining it and the the flags going all the way down. It was, it was kind of cool to be moving uh, slightly to the, you know, west side of downtown. Right. Okay. And so, so you didn't have to move at all. Like you personally, you didn't have to move (laughs) apartments or anything like that. So I actually moved, I moved up here from uh, West Palm Beach. I was actually at our spring training facility before um, Mark, our team president, found me uh, working down there and, and, uh, you know, asked if I wanted to uh, work up here. Um, So I actually did have to make a move. Uh, It's about a 10 hour drive. I don't know, 400, 500 miles. I'm probably... I'm probably getting that wrong, but somewhere around there. Um, but you didn't have to yeah. move from Bowie's Creek to Fayetteville. No, we were in Fayetteville. However, we did have to move our office uh, three times. This office okay. that we're in now being the third. Okay. So we moved from you know our small little. It, it barely fit three of us in their office to right next to the stadium, uh, Festival Park Plaza, where you know we started building our staff and could fit you know fifteen twenty. And then we had to get a separate office in there because we outgrew it. So we had two offices in there. Okay. Um, you know, executive staff kind of took the other office and then our more of our fan facing, you know, sales managers and marketing managers, they kind of took the other office and okay. we made a we actually made a temporary team store in there as well. So we had to move small office to that one and then move that office uh, over here, you know, two days before opening day pretty much. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. are now permanent office. Wow. And, but we did have to move. We did have to move the team from Bowie's Creek. So that was uh, that was a couple truck and U-Haul loads of getting sure. stuff from there over to the stadium. Okay. All right. So how did you get into stadium operations after working in ticket sales and marketing with Roger Dean Stadium, ESPN West Palm Beach, and Florida Atlantic University? Yeah. Well, the short version is, I guess, if you. Th- throw enough crap at the wall something's gonna stick right <laughs> so i uh, i got my start with espn radio selling uh radio sponsorships and uh just writing up you know program ads and and kind of doing the the pop-up marketing tables and okay um I, I don't even remember what year that was anymore um but i was in my bachelor's program at that time at at lynn university um and then I was lucky enough to go from there to working at uh, Roger Dean Stadium. Okay. Um, a guy named Hiley, who's now working for the um, the Kentucky Derby, he uh, he hired me on in the sales department. I just, you know, I'd never really done a lot of sales, and I thought this is a this is kind of a neat place to sell tickets in a place that I grew up going to, being right. from South Florida. Um, it was a great experience. I mean, a, a two team facility like that where they have spring training and then they have two minor league teams as well. Yeah. Um, it was kind of neat getting that Marlins Cardinals and then getting the, uh, hammerheads Palm beach Cardinals, uh, feel as well. I absolutely I probably worked. I probably worked a hundred to 120 games that year. Wow. Um, and we did a little bit of everything in a, in a sales, uh, a little bit of game day stuff, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of ticket office, mm-hmm. um, just kind of getting everything. It was it was a sales internship, but you know, at, at that level, you're just getting so much. Um, right. Didn't find my knack for operations yet. Um, went on to work for 
I believe from there I went to the uh, I started my master's program at FAU and got into um, the Palm Beach County Sports Commission and that was really my first gig in operations yeah. doing uh, you know local Palm Beach County amateur sports. Okay, <clears throat> we had some big events. We actually hosted the um, the World Field Cross or the National Field Hockey Tournament. Right. I didn't even know field hockey was a thing, to be honest. Until, oh, it's huge until up this. here. It's, it's huge up it's here. It's massive. I mean, yeah. we took an entire polo grounds, and we made, like, 18 fields out of there. So we had to set up all the fields, Yeah, you know, set up all the bike racks, set up all the stanchions. Um, we did that. Um, Palm Beach County Sports Commission also hosts the Lou Groza Award. So we got to set up for the National Collegiate Kicker Lou Groza Award. Okay. Um, we just got to see a lot of cool things. Yeah. While I was doing that, uh, and working for um, and going to school at FAU, I was also working in the ticket office at FAU okay. uh, for football games and yeah. doing a little bit of operational setup for the football games. I was also working for the Miami Dolphins on the weekends, so Fridays, Saturdays, oh, and Sundays. So nice. I, I, I had a, I had something to do all seven days of the week, and sometimes I had to go from job to job, right? Uh, just making you know pennies to a dollar, living off my credit card. Yep, yeah, um, I can I can certainly relate to that. <laughs> Miami working for the Dolphins was just a, a wild experience. I I don't know that I would ever. Uh, obviously, if, if the pay was good, I would I would definitely take it. But I would definitely consider working in football again, uh, just because it's just such a grind. I mean, the weekends are brutal. You're there, you know, thirty hours in one weekend. It's okay. uh, it, and you know, seventy five, eighty thousand people in the stands is just it's got to, it's its own different world. Yeah. Are you a Dolphins fan? You grew up a Dolphins fan? No, actually. So I'm from South Florida. I oh, really you're like a Chiefs any... fan. Yeah. I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm a diehard. So my, my family is from Wichita, Kansas. Okay. Uh, who are now getting a, a, a brand new minor league team. Yeah, um, yeah. The wind super surge. Super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, the wind surge. It used to be called the uh, Wichita Wranglers back oh. when uh, well, I was kind of, you know, partly growing up in Wichita. Um, but yeah, diehard Royals and Chiefs. Um, I can I can proudly say I'm a diehard Royals and Chiefs fan now. Was, wow. I kind of well, didn't tell people for a while. <laughs> well, congrats on the Super Bowl. Um, I'm an Eagles fan, so I celebrated my my first one a couple years ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it was unreal. Uh, in fact, we we watched the game from the stadium, from the club lounge, and we put the we put the game up on the big screen, and nice. we had a, a party with all the you know, front office staff members. And it was just a, it was just an awesome time. We were playing cornhole on the party deck and um, just, you know, when when else are you going to get to watch the Super Bowl on a 75 by 25 foot television? Right. (laughs) Right. Um, I also work for an ESPN radio affiliate. I work for ESPN radio Williamsport in Pennsylvania. So I don't know what your experience was like, but ours was very like we were we were um recording games via skype and stuff like that like it was it was strange it was yeah very very low budget yeah also our our espn affiliate was owned by good karma brands and they also have the espn affiliate out of uh i want to say milwaukee okay so yeah, good, good karma. Know. Yeah, yeah, because we had a radio deal with Good Karma, and but no, they're out of like, um, 
I think Janesville, Beloit, Wisconsin area. Wisconsin, that, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. They're all meshed together. I've, I've yeah. never been to like the north. You, you said good. You said good karma, and like that that name like resonated with me. And but yeah, we had a radio deal with a with a station of theirs in uh, Janesville, Wisconsin, which is the next town over from Beloit. Yeah, yeah. When when I worked for the Snappers, yeah, okay. I didn't realize that they own teams down in, or or own stations down in Florida, but I think they have. I want to say they have three, and then they had the. Uh, they had the um, – it wasn't ESPN Deportes. Uh, it was called something else, but they had then the, uh, you know, the Spanish spinoff of the ESPN West Palm. Oh, okay. I, I, I worked a bunch of events for them. I should remember what it's called, but I, I don't off the top of my head. Um, so we got to go to a lot of really cool, like, indoor soccer places and, nice. you know, do setups there. And, and uh, you know, I'm not fluent in Spanish myself, but um, – I knew enough to get me through, you know, the marketing table yeah. and the events. So right, um, I know I know very little bit of Spanish enough to have casual conversations in the clubhouses and yeah. whatnot. But um, if I knew Spanish uh, fluently, uh, it would definitely help me out both in insurance sales and probably in baseball as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I wish I Especially in the Astros system, you know, oh, a lot yeah. of our guys are Dominican Republic, yep. um, you know, Cuba, Puerto Rico. Right, right. So, so where, I think I was at, where was I at? I was at, I stopped at Dolphins, right? Yeah, yeah. I stopped at Dolphins. So, um, right after um, this Dolphins season, um, I get... I get an interview with a gentleman named Thomas Bell, uh, who is the then director of operations for the new uh, ballpark of the Palm Beaches. And I'd heard of the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Yeah. You know, it was currently under construction, uh, you know, brand new $160 million facility, uh, you know, right in West Palm Beach. And um, so I applied and he called me up and he said, you know, you have some operational experience. Um, you know, we started talking and he was, he basically told me he was like, you don't need to be in sales and marketing. You're an operator. And I, from that moment on, it's, it's been operations. Okay. And I got to, I got to kind of be a part of the dolphins, you know, game day and operations team while they were renovating uh hard rock stadium. Okay. Cause that's when they were doing the move over to there is when I yeah. was there. Um, and then I got to see the back end of a build in, uh, in West Palm beach. Okay. Um, and basically, you know, was his, his assistant. So I was, uh, I got to kind of build up a lot of the game day and security. And I, I basically got to build it from scratch. It's my first, you know, real operations job in sports and I'm, I'm building everything from scratch. So that was uh, pretty wild. And then uh, I spent a year and a half there just, just learning as I go. I mean, the whole time in West Palm, it was learning as I go. I couldn't use any past experience at all. It was just, you know, fake it till you make it almost and and the experience i got from building a stadium like that i mean it was terrifying uh i didn't sleep a lot but it <laughs> it really i mean the the lessons that i learned there and the, and the systems and processes that i was able to take away from there were uh incredible and and helped then in you know building the uh sager stadium and the Fayetteville woodpeckers basically from scratch uh it, even earlier in the build Okay. You yeah. Know, when, I, when I got here, it was a parking lot. So. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Okay. So, can you outline your daily duties both during the season and in the off season? Yeah. 
Definitely, yes. Yeah. So we uh, we have a little motto here: off season is for improvements and yeah. and you know improving processes. Right. And in season is basically uh, putting those into into play and uh, you know kind of doing your checks and balances throughout. Um, so during a game day, we get in here about eight nine o'clock. Um, the rest of the staff probably gets in around nine if they're sales, sometimes 10 if they're in, in marketing and whatnot. Okay. Um, but we, we try to get here early. We try to open the door. Um, and we're here basically the morning is either maintenance or uh, looking after our automation systems, uh, you know, checking breaker panels. Um, if we have any of our, you know, routine maintenance uh quarterly inspections coming up you know we schedule those throughout the year whether it's in season or not in season so um our days are usually pretty busy leading up to game days and then i gotta be honest on game days i am i am usually in my office that i'm in right now um i have a radio scanner uh so i hear all radio traffic in the ballpark and i take you know logs on all of our radio traffic and then we actually have 65 security cameras in this ballpark um, and i have three tvs that i monitor them on so at the same time we're getting these radio calls in i'm usually in my office at all times in the what we call the command center mm-hmm. um you know just logging radio call to uh what we're seeing on the camera okay once in a while i'll have to go out in the ballpark to respond to a first aid call or, or a you know a fan complaint um but usually i'm, I'm right here in the office Okay. Um, and then the off season, it's, you know, we, we have about 30 events a year outside of baseball events. So right, we operate wow. into basically New Year's and then our event season starts back up in February. So there's not a lot of downtime. Okay. Um, but again, we're, we're analyzing, uh, you know, our contracts. We're renewing our contracts. We're, you know, doing a lot of discussions on what we can improve around the ballpark okay. um, and trying to do all that prep in January, February, because right. the season is, you know, is upon us. But, okay. you know, there, there, there's certain things as a as an operator that are just going to be constants throughout the year, whether it's in season or, or out of season. Uh, right. it, it, that doesn't affect us as much as some other departments, you know, sure. because we just we always have something going on here, whether mm-hmm. it's cleaning, pressure washing. Um, you know, maintenance that we do in house, outsource maintenance, uh, repairs that, that we track. Um, it's just always, <laughs> I mean, we, we were here, uh, we were here eight to five thirty today, bringing in trash cans and, wow. you know, pressure washing our trash cans and, yeah. uh, you know, just kind of pulling our, our stadium back in again, we were, we, we kind of winterized and then unwinterized to start the season. And now we're like winterizing again, uh, right. just to keep everything yeah. new and, and out of the sun. Yeah. I'll be right back. I got to take something out of the oven real quick. Well, yeah, no problem. Put, put it back in the oven. Yeah. It's a pizza, isn't it? No, it's it's actually like a um, <laughs> a casserole, but I oh, wow. asked my fiance to do it and she's like, "Well, the dog's going to bark if I leave the room." And I was like, "All yeah. right, I'll just do it." So, hold on one I moment. I got two dogs as well. We should chat dogs when you get back. Oh yeah, absolutely.
All right. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, it's it's. I had to like take the, just like the, the cover. You had to off. peel the corner and vent and stir and yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah. So what kind of dogs do you have? So I have I have two absolute monsters. Uh, nice. I have an eighty five pound pit mix nice. um, named named Bandit. Uh, he's six years old. Okay. Uh, he's he's a giant teddy bear. Uh, and then we just rescued a. Uh, He's about a year old now. We rescued him. We actually rescued him right before uh, the start of our 2019 season, which <laughs> I would never do again. <laughs> um, and he's a he's a probably 60-pound um, bull boxer, and he's just a nutcase. I mean, they're, they're not very intelligent. I can say that because, you know, he's my kid. Yeah. I'm allowed to call him dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just he's just a menace. Like he breaks everything and chews everything and Yeah. He's just absolutely wild. Yeah, I um I have a I think he's a Beagle Jack Russell mix. Um and he is very high energy. Um very hard to train as well. Yeah. Um but he is he is very lovable and and cute. So and, and I'm not used to little dogs either. I'm used to big dogs like like you, but but yeah, he's he's something that's for sure. It sounds like a really good mixture of dogs. Like those are like Jack Russells. I love Jack Russells. I've never had a beagle, but like if you could mix Jack Russell and beagle, I feel like that would be a really neat dog. Yeah, you know, that's it's just two really good uh, breeds of dogs right there. Yeah, he's just like you're never going to be able to leave him off of a leash because he's part beagle and like if he like catches a scent he's just gonna go um yeah yeah so yeah and and very tough to train like to walk on a leash and like to 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 do like simple like um sit and roll over and stuff like that like very hard to to train him to do that kind of stuff but he is when he's always got to be between my fiance and I, like, yep. and, and if one of us like stops petting him, he looks over at us and like, come on, like, pet me. You know, he's yeah, he he's the most popular dog in the neighborhood here. Um, everybody knows his name, so yeah, he's nice. he's something. Do they, do they sleep? Does he sleep in the bed? Not usually. He he will sleep in the bed up until it's time for me to go to bed and then i get up and i take him out and um every once in a while my fiance she's a nurse so she works a lot of night shifts um so every once in a while if she's working at night i will let him sleep in the bed with me and then he will sleep in the bed with her all day when she comes home from her night shift yeah so Usually when there's one person in the bed, he'll sleep there, but not not when there's both of us. Yeah, that's that's word for word what what we're going through here. Yeah. You know, um my girlfriend, she usually goes to bed before I do. I'm kind of a night owl. Yeah, um, me too. And we we have a queen-size bed and these dogs alone would take up the entirety of that without two other bodies now in there. Right. So, um, you know, she goes to bed She's bringing both dogs in with her, and then I got to be the bad guy and kick them both out. And they yeah, just like that's how just I mean, am, mugging yep. me the whole way to the uh, to their room. Right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, all right. So, 
what is it like working for a team that is owned by the parent club? I would say, I so I've never worked for a team that wasn't owned. Um, oh, but okay. I'm sure it's got its pros and cons. Um, I, I, I love working for the Astros. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just a great organization to work for. Um, I'm sure there may be some organizations where it's not the same, but you know, they, they don't consider us Fayetteville Woodpeckers employees. They consider us all Astros employees. Yeah. So, I saw your emails um, are all at astros.com. All at Astros, yeah. Even if we wanted it another way, they wouldn't allow it. Okay. So, it, you know, everybody – I think Corpus Christi has a CC hooks. Um, I, I Maybe they're just grandfathered in. But yeah. in West Palm, it's it's either, you know, Ballpark and Palm Beaches or Astros. Uh, I've seen both used down there. Um, but, yeah, we all went – we all went Astros here. Some of our executives even had, you know, like Houston area codes on their work phones. Oh, so. wow. Okay. Um, it, it, just a wealth of knowledge that we can get from the Astros, uh, and like a lot of our, like our Alti Pro HR software, that's all run like through the Astros. So it's mm-hmm. really good, like having some of these processes, um, our like safety data sheets and things of that nature. They're all logged through the Astros. Right. On these like databases that we would have had to pay uh, a ton of money to use, um, wow. and you know, the guy that actually. I, I would call him like my mentor. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, Thomas Bell. He is now the senior vice president, senior vice president, or senior director, one of those two of stadium operations in Minute Maid. So okay. just having him there and, uh, you know, uh, Crane has, has been awesome. Jim Crane has just been awesome uh, to work for. He's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's very open and honest and, and, you know, would pick up the phone if any of us called him. Okay. Um, so it's just, it's really good having that backbone, you know, to, to really turn to. And, uh, they keep us well organized here. Um, they make sure we don't do anything crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So you're in charge of scheduling, um, game, a lot of game day staff. What has been the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work? Yeah, so we we oversee all ushers, guest services, kid zone, ticket takers, um, and then we also oversee our medical staff, Fayetteville Fire and Rescue, and our security company, uh, Staff One. Okay. Um, our staff has been fantastic year one. I couldn't have asked for a better part-time staff. I'm not just saying that. I've had some bad part-time staffs in the past. Yeah. I won't mention where they were at. Right. Um, but I've had some not great ones. Uh, we truly had a really good um, uh, part-time staff this past season. Uh, I will say one that stood out to me that I was kind of like, that seems a little weird is, is we had a guy that he, he only worked for us for, for, you know, a short period of time. Um, he called out for a, uh, he's part of an acting troupe and he had acting rehearsals that night that he was scheduled for the game. Okay. And uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like, you know, the worst excuse a game day staff member has given but like i said we had we had a great staff i mean they didn't really call out a lot there were some no shows but obviously like i don't know why they didn't no show you know sure didn't give me an excuse but yeah to to for a for an older gentleman to (laughs) have acting practice was was kind of weird to hear yeah Yeah, that is kind of kind of weird i'm lucky in that we actually just hired an operations manager that her role um is you know, 
primarily to manage and and oh, uh, okay. hire game day staff. I basically now just write all of the trainings and all the operational procedures, and she okay. kind of takes it from there. Her her background actually with the military was in HR. Oh, um, wow. So it's just kind of fit right over. And sure. she, she came from one of our military internship programs oh, okay. uh, that, that we partner with Fort Bragg on. It's the Wounded Warriors uh, Transition Program. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. and she interned with us for a year, um, you know, as an unpaid internship and, and ended up working her way up to being our operations manager. So, right. Oh, wow. It's been really good to have that person there to, to handle all of that. Absolutely. <laughs> so what's the craziest situation that has occurred during a game that you had to assist with? Yeah, that is a, <laughs> I've definitely seen a lot and this was probably one of the harder questions Okay. Uh, as I was kind of going through and looking at them, um, I, I will never forget opening day at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Uh, we got our temporary certificate of occupancy for our concession stands uh, literally into us opening gates. So we, we had to nice. hold off gates that day. Wow. We had all been there all night. Uh, most of us slept in our offices. Uh, we had been working basically 19-hour days for about four or five days at that point. Uh, we're exhausted. It's a one o'clock game, but it feels like the middle of the night just because mm-hmm. of how exhausted we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we get our TCO on our, our concession stands. I think it was 30 minutes into us opening our gates. We had to hold our gates so that we could actually walk the health inspector through, wow. get our TCO so that we could serve food for this game. Mm-hmm. And then the game was a sellout, obviously, uh, yeah. you know, 8,000 people in the ballpark and, we had um, we had probably the most medical calls we've ever had uh, in that opening day. Obviously, because you know why why not just have right. an opening day? Yeah. And we had um, we had written out a, a you know a plan for uh, the local fire departments to dispatch their EMS crews. Uh, but obviously, it being opening day, we hadn't had a chance to like perfect it yet. Uh-huh. We had two seizures and a uh, heart related um, injury at the same time. Goodness. And there's two stations that dispatch on either side of our uh, 100 and it's 160 acres down there in, in West Palm. I think it's about 160 acres. So it's okay. it's not like you can just cross the street easily and get to the other side. Right. Um, so three medical calls. I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, one of the seizures was incredibly bad. Um something that I've never experienced before. And I, I, I guess it, they call it like a grand mall seizure. Uh-huh. Um, just one of the one of the more brutal parts about what we do as operators and and just directing the EMS crew on on which gates to go to because there's you know sure ten gates that they could have possibly gone to while right. also assisting the limited first aid staff that we had in there at the time yeah I mean we could have been more maxed out on opening day if we if we wanted to mm-hmm. wow. um, obviously another one was. Uh, wasn't even the start of spring training yet, but the year after the Astros won the World Series in 2018, um, we opened our backfields. We opened our backfields middle of February, and then spring training starts late February. We had probably 5,000 people waiting outside of our gates just to get into our backfields. Okay, I didn't know that we could fit that many people back yeah. there. We really couldn't. You couldn't yeah. really leave once you got into here. Right. Uh, just those are some of the things I will never forget you know, working. Wow. That is pretty crazy. Um, I know, uh, 
stadium operations guys, they clean up a lot of messes. Oh, what yeah. what's the worst mess that you've ever cleaned up? Um <laughs> I've I've uh, I've cleaned up some bad uh bad number twos yeah. that uh I didn't know could go at that high of a velocity. Um <laughs> I, I I've cleaned up some really gory thr- uh vomits yeah. some of them uh some of them being our staff <laughs> yeah wow we've uh you know we 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 work hard we play harder here yeah, um for sure so I, i've had to clean up some of those not only in exterior spaces but in interior spaces as well yeah, um, yeah. not mentioning any names in the podcast no. but there's been a couple where it's gotten four feet up the wall wow <laughs> yeah so um and then we I don't know how far I can get into this, but I'll keep it very high level. We had a we had a gentleman that uh, nicked his leg at one of the past, um, you know, projects that I was one of the one of the past sites I was working on, and mm-hmm. and um, just a just a gory scene of of just blood, you know, Ugh. pooling up right there. And, and um, obviously, we have special ways of cleaning that up. We have what we call our special clean kits. You know, yeah, you got to clean everything that's a bloodborne pathogen that way. Um, so I, I've seen a lot more blood working in this field than, than I ever really wanted to. Sure. Um, so where can the listeners find you on social media, Chris? I know you're, you're not really, you are on social media, but you don't post a ton. I, I'm an old soul, man. I, I am pro I'm a 50 year old, uh, 28 year old. Okay. Um, just, I mean, I've had a job ever since I was 13, uh, every day of my life. So yeah. I, you know. I kind of had to grow up real fast. Sure. Um, and so you can find me if it's work related. I always prefer LinkedIn. Okay. Um, Chris Commence, uh, C O M I N S E. Um, that's, you know, if it's, if it's something where you're reaching out about, you just want to chat operations or, uh, you know, you just want to connect. Uh, okay. I always push to the link. You know, you know, I'm on Facebook as well, but I, I like have a Facebook, but I don't because I unless the Chiefs are winning, I never post anything on Facebook. Okay. That's, that's really all you're gonna see yeah. up and down my Facebook. That are my dogs. Yep. So all right. yeah, LinkedIn's a great place. I you know I highly encourage anybody that wants to know about this field or just wants to connect and um, you know please find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm part of a operators happy hour call every thursday night at 7 p.m nice um the uh josh the director of operations for the river the river river dogs i almost said river cats but that's a different isn't the river cats out in yeah they're in sacramento sacramento yeah Yeah. so the river dogs um he set it up and and it's really grown over the past month now that you know we don't have a season and we're all just kind of looking to connect and share ideas and and you know share opening plans you know in this in this post uh, coronavirus world yeah um so anybody that's willing to even if you're not currently in the field and you just want to listen to some operators uh just have a couple beers and talk and um you know please reach out to me i can get you in touch with josh and he can send you the link for it okay perfect that'd be awesome and so we close out every episode of the podcast with the same question what has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your minor league baseball career, and whose was it? So I told you, I told you that um, the uh, staff member calling out of work was one of the toughest. This is probably the toughest question. Okay, and here's why. Um, 
I I don't watch a lot of the games. Uh, full yeah. disclosure here. Okay. I, I maybe saw two games last season. Um, I know our, our players simply from having to, you know, work in the clubhouse. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I didn't uh, – I, I don't watch a lot of the games. Okay. Um, so I actually had to send – this question out to our uh, to our team chat here and say, hey guys, right. uh, you know I'm kind of a recluse. Please tell me what the walk up songs were. And uh, once they started mentioning some things, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. So Jake Myers' walk up song was uh, in the air tonight. Phil Collins' version, nice, it's one of the best walk ups you could ever yes. have. Just the drum, just he's walking out, do 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 do, and uh, it just everybody gets hyped, you know, yeah. Absolutely, that's, that, it's just a great walk-up song. All right, yeah, that's a, that is a great one. I, yeah, that's what, I mean, Phil Collins. He's like one of those guys that's just like, you know, just one of the greats of like arena music. You know, yeah. like that's how I would describe him. Is like he's he's going to play large arenas. Like it makes sense that he's a walkout song, right? You know, the, uh, there's no more memorable drum fill than to start off in the air tonight. You know, no. it's just no, it's just some good stuff no. there. Yeah. And we can we can keep talking about we can still keep talking, but um, yeah, I just want to thank you for for coming on to the Pulling Tart podcast, Chris. And um, yeah, thanks for taking the time. And uh, yeah, just share this with uh, all your friends and family and your coworkers and whatnot. Um, yeah, just just thank you so much. Yeah, no, Bobby, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. I mean, I. I consider myself to be a bit long-winded, so I, I never turn down the opportunity to talk. Um, Perfect. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd be down to do another one or yeah, even collaborate absolutely. with to do a you know full operators call sometime or something where we get a bunch absolutely. of our guys in here and just that would be awesome. Hash it out and you know do some shit talking or you yeah, know whatever. Absolutely. Just, us right. operators, we're kind of we're we consider ourselves relief pitchers, like a situational relief guy. Yeah. Just probably the weird. Um. They're, they're kind of one-trick ponies, you know, but we're just kind of, <laughs> we're in a league of our own. With a, I hate to even use that because it's kind of well, cheesy. Well, <laughs> oper- yeah, operations guys usually have the best stories, so yeah. I, I can definitely uh, enjoy that. So, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on, and uh, hopefully you can come back again sometime. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, I appreciate it. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.